You are tuned in to yet another Pusher Mania podcast, Real Talk with Matt Sanzala. I got my mask over the mic for my pop filter. I haven't got my pop filters in yet. I'm doing the best I can here to not pop you into oblivion, man. Today we've got like a real special guest, uh, one of my great friends and somebody I admire a lot, someone who really has put work in his career that I, as a rapper that I haven't seen a lot of other people do in, in my uh, 500 years in this shit. My brother, Fat Tony, is on the line. What's up, Tony? What up, man? Thanks for having me, bro. Man, we're quarantined. I'm here in my apartment. Where are you? I'm in my backyard. I'm here in Tucson, Arizona, chilling, man, waiting on the weed man to pull up. Man, that's the, is, this the, is this the announcement? Is it, do other people know Fat Tony now lives in Arizona? Man, I think some some folks know, but, it's, but there's nothing to call home about. You know what I mean? One, one thing that I like about living here is living here doesn't mean that my location is part of my art or my identity. Mm-hmm. So I feel like when I lived in L.A. and in New York, which was over the last few years, um, a lot of people would be like, oh, so like you're like an L.A.-based artist now, or you're a New York-based artist now or whatever. And I feel like that has nothing to do with who I am in my music. That's just where I live because of circumstance or opportunity or whatever the case may be. And this is a place where I can live that feels like it's a blank slate because most motherfuckers, especially super industry type motherfuckers, they've barely heard of this city. They've never been here. They don't want to come. So it's kind of like my own little universe. I actually think Cool G Rap lives in Arizona. You're lying. You know what? Rappers live out here, though. Yeah. Fucking back in the day, uh, Too Short lived out here in Scottsdale, DMX. I think his ass lives in Arizona somewhere. I mean, it's, and it's cool because it's, cause it's, it's so close to Texas and so close to California that I really feel like this part of the world, Texas, Mexico, Arizona, California, New Mexico, I feel like this is my like spiritual home. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Man, that's great. I mean, to be honest with you, I live in Austin and I've got a few more years of my kid in school and, I can't wait to live in a city that's not really hip or cool. Or, yes. You know what I mean? Like, I really can't wait. I want to get out of the country, but I really want to just go, you know, sell snow cones on an island, to be honest. But uh, really, I just yeah. don't. I, I can't even. I'm getting older. It is what it is. But I can't even be around, like, the super hip people anymore. Like, I can't listen to their voices. I can't. I, I, I'm, I'm, like, prejudiced. I can't, sit next, <laughs> I can't sit next to them at the table. I don't want to hear them. Yeah. Man, I, I don't mind it because it's like part of my business. You know what I mean? Sure. But I like my day-to-day life to be quiet, chill, you know. Everybody is just like working or going to school. It's like not a lot of people. Like like here, I, I can go to a coffee shop and everybody isn't pitching something or writing a script or mm-hmm. talking to strangers, trying to like fill out what they do. And not to say that that's totally bad because that's necessary and that's a big reason why I have lived places where that's prominent and, mm-hmm. and that's why I travel to places where that's prominent. But at this point in my life, I want a bit of a slower pace on my day-to-day, right. especially now while we're quarantined because we moved recently. So we experienced the first half of the quarantine living in Brooklyn which is the epicenter of the coronavirus. Yeah. And and even trying to go for a walk just felt difficult because 
even though folks are quarantined, there's still plenty of bodies out. And there's just an overwhelming sense of fear, you know, mostly fear that I would give the virus to someone else because mm-hmm. I feel like there's a greater chance that with as many people as I mix with and all the traveling I did right before shit got locked down, I was under the impression that I had it, even though I didn't experience any symptoms. And I tried to carry myself like I did have it. So I mm-hmm. wanted to avoid people. And it, it just didn't feel right for me to walk in a place where there were so many fools everywhere. And out here, it's much smaller. It's definitely the smallest city I've ever lived in, even though for some folks here, it is a big city. But I can walk around here and barely see anybody. And if I do, I spot them a mile away and I can cross the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here too in Austin, I mean, there's plenty of space. I live in an apartment community, but it's still, if I go outside, I can walk walk for miles and not have to like come too close to contact with anybody. Uh, I live next to a very, very big grocery store. The ATB over here is, is crazy big and clean. Oh, nice. They're, they're working hard. So nice, man. It's been uh, it's been okay. It's been okay here so far, man. But you, the hardest thing for I think for all of us people like well, it's whatever we can't complain. There's so many people going through so much worse than this. But I mean, to not be not you not being able to perform, but also not being able to go to a show. Man, I'm, yeah, I'm 40 years deep. I'm 41 years deep into going to shows. My first show was Kiss when I was seven. My second was Alice Cooper. Wow. And I talked about that on the Tom Dark podcast too, but you know that's no one you so fucked up. Yeah, no <laughs> shit. Whatever. That's that's like a big part of you know of life, you know. And you were the second show, second to last show I saw before this all went down, and uh, it was you and Blackie and what was the name of the band? Fade them all. Fade them all. I need to remember that because I liked them a lot actually, and I was actually kind of shocked at how much I liked them. Yeah, man, they're very dope. Yeah, they really you know, that was... in. and that's a group I think that really has a. I mean, I hate to say sound all industry, but man, those guys have a chance. Like they actually, yeah, man, they have something. Have they, they have something special, you know. They do, totally do. <laughs> In my A and R voice, I mean, they have that I, X factor. Yeah, I mean, and and me being Matt Sanzala, like looking at them at first, I was kind of like, all right, we'll see, guys. And yeah, I was like, all right, damn, they they actually sound like. There's a lot of bands that sound like older bands but they sound like the bands that i liked <laughs> i don't know you know what yeah I mean? man i'm i made a point to book artists for that houston show that i thought would be special first of all i had to get my boy blackie on it because that's my brother in this underground music shit and mm-hmm. we hadn't played a show together in so long and i felt like it would be a great way to kick off my first show of the year with my new album wake up and i booked fade them all too because some of the members i met them at shows of mine years ago, like the like the bass player came to one of my shows at Walters in Houston, and then I ran into another member of the band Oscar in Brooklyn, and I was just like, man, I've been seeing y'all doing y'all things for years, man, let's, let's let's fucking do something and let's show people what our era of Houston has been like because I feel like me and Blackie are people who started putting out records ten years ago in Houston mm-hmm. and. And our personalities, if you know us, you know that we grew up loving underground music, especially punk music and rap music. And I feel like Fade Em All is the next generation of that. Like, mm-hmm. a band like Fade Em All didn't really happen when we were their age. 
in Houston. Nope. But now it seems like they are the norm for this scene, and I love that. And I wanted to highlight that. Yeah, they were good. I'm going to definitely uh, look into more of their music for sure. Now, when I go to a show, <clears throat> I tend to overanalyze things, and I have to tell you that night, um, you know, a lot of times I stand in the back because I'm tall. I don't want to be in front of people. And I also want to watch the crowd. I want to see what's, how people are reacting. I, I kind of watch a show as a whole, you know, like I don't really yeah. not just, you know, focus in on the one artist or, but that night my head was just spinning watching you. And of course, you know, I think Blackie's one of the greatest artists of all time as well. Like I, I, I I'm crazy for Blackie and I think that he's generally one of the realest ever, but um, absolutely. when I was watching you perform, because you know, my big, you know, my biggest problem with rap is, is the lip syncing. I can't accept it. I won't accept it. I don't like it at all. Yeah. Me neither. And watching you rap every word, you controlled your own music, you had energy, you had no hype man, you really went in, and I was sitting there and I said to myself, I was mad, I actually was mad at myself for a moment. I was like, you know what? When we talk about the best rappers from Houston, we have to put Fat Tony on that list. Fat Tony is on the list of best rappers from Houston and that's all there is to it. And I've always liked you and, and loved you and thought you were great and unique and original. But some about that show when I was watching it really had me like, damn, people need to start, need to understand this shit. This dude, cause I've known you since you were a kid, kid pretty much. Yeah. You know, and I didn't know you day one, but you know, Cam got us together like day two, you know, and I started seeing the way you were moving around and I always admired the, your hustle and that you're, you weren't afraid to leave Houston and you got out there and, and 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 moved around and did what did you know did it kind of punk rock, you know which I really yeah. admired a lot. Like a lot of these rappers aren't going to sleep on someone's couch. You're like you're like yeah I'll be there I'm coming. But that night yeah, watching man. that show Ain't no way around watching, it. No, watching that show, I was like man this dude is really setting a standard and I appreciate that man. It's 2020. We've let too many uh, whack ones get through. You know, we've got a city like Houston that's got like artists like Killer Calione and Dobeezy and LES who all have fan bases, but should be in the upper echelons of rap, in my opinion. They're great, Man, maybe great it's, rappers. And maybe you, it's because I'm I'm an optimist, but I feel like we're in a new day right now, and there's a new energy going around, and there are motherfuckers out there who want to listen to artists like us who are serious and giving it our all and not taking a day off and not bullshitting and not doing it for clout or anything else. And I think that it's no surprise that there are so many artists like that coming from Houston because Houston for the last 15 years, ever since the Switzer House era ended, Houston artists have been looking at themselves as the underdog and been trying to get on and, 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 and try to navigate the industry and, do all these different things. And for many of us, we are successful, but I don't think all of us reach the height that we wish that we could have. And I think now I see a lot of those same artists going harder than ever. I see Dobeezy going hard as shit on his IG right now. I'm going harder with new music and new shows. You know, I think that all of us artists who have been doing it in this new era of Houston over the last, 10 years, we've had a lot of time to get seasoned. So it's no surprise to me 
that you as someone who's pretty much known me my entire musical life can come see my most recent show and be like, wow, I'm kind of looking at him in a, in a new light now. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it was even a new light. It was just like, because I always admired you and what you did, but when I was like, like, man, seriously, this is a show show. Like what I would always say to uh, rappers, because I've put on my share of rap shows, <clears throat> and they're like, gotta have cordless mics, gotta have cordless mics. What I would always say is, you know, I don't know if James Brown ever used a cordless mic in his entire career. He may have. But James Brown didn't need a cordless mic to get out there and do his fucking show. You know what I mean? And I see you on stage in a similar way, coming with straight energy, like working with what you've got, making it happen, bringing the funk, bringing it, making it rock, rocking the yeah. house, doing what you're supposed to do on stage. Like it's almost uh, surreal to me what gets over as a show these days. And that night having Blackie on the floor with his, with his, uh, with the saxophone, the band coming out, just going off, you know, like fade them all going off, you know, and you coming out going yeah. off, like why? Like I, I'm not a kid. So, but, but I, but even when I was a kid, I didn't like posers, you know, like I'd go to a show. If I went to yeah. a show and I was like 16 years old and the dude and I, and a dude came out lip syncing, First of all, I wouldn't have had to beat him up because the whole crowd would have jumped on his ass. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know what? I wouldn't want to kick wonder... his ass. Like, seriously, I'd have been like, get this mother... He had been off the stage in 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 rap at the Palladium or Boomerang or some shit. Psh. Yeah. And I kind of wonder if that happens now. Like, if, if like somebody comes on stage and they're not really bringing it, do current audiences boo that motherfucker or like no, say anything at all? Not if that artist. Not if that artist is known. Not if that artist is known. The kids are just entranced. They're so entranced. Think, oh, think about it, man. Think about this era of hip hop. And I'm I'm gonna stop being an old man and talk about Fat Tony more in, in a few minutes. <laughs> I promise. But think about this era, man. The, they come out. They throw water on the crowd. They yeah. do. Somebody stage dives. Like there's like a yeah. formula. They're only doing their ad libs if they're doing their ad libs. The music is just playing. It's not a DJ. DJ doesn't even have a turntable. He's just got one of them little things, like probably what I'm talking into right here, little mixer. Yeah. Thing. And like, there's no. I mean, they're literally lip syncing and posing, and it's you know that's what a lot of people are growing up with now, looking at themselves on their phones and all that. That's kind of like you know posing for yourself is the new norm. But I watch these kids, and they're so hype about this show. And I'm like, I have to stop. I had to stop trying, to be honest. I had to stop yeah. going to those shows. I had to stop. Like, I'll walk out if it's a lip sync thing. And to be honest, some of my friends who are close to my age, between my age and your age, sometimes I'm like, I'm scared to put their CD in if they give me or send me some music. I'm scared to even listen to it. <laughs> but what you, because it sucks and, and it's stupid, like to you know, you know, just be yourself, and that's what Fat Tony's done his whole career, and that's what I love about you. But right now, right now, what you had just said a few minutes ago, there is a biorhythm to life. Life is all about biorhythms. Every day, you know, we're up and down, and up and down, and up and down. And the music, all forms of music, but we'll keep it hip hop on this one. If you go through Houston, I mean, not Houston, go through hip hop history, it has always gone up and then gone down and gone up yeah. and then gone down. It goes down so far that the kids start growing up a little bit like, man, this is dumb. 
Let me yeah. find something new. Let me find something smarter than this, better than this, and then it gets smarter and better. Or, I mean, a lot of people were saying this when Trump got elected, but like there was better rap music when Republicans are, are running the country or when, you know, things are real fucked up. <laughs> More yeah. fucked up. And Obama, we got, regardless of what anybody thinks of him, people were kind of chilling for a minute. They weren't totally yeah. on the edge like with Bush and Bush Jr. and now Trump, like keeping us on the fucking edge, like, you know, freaking out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and that's why I think yeah. there's certainly going to be, there's going to be great music that comes out of this. There's going to be great, you know, I think we are definitely on an upswing. And as these kids get older, it's like literally, I am not talking shit. Every single one of these youngins are just, they throw water on the crowd. They do a stage dive. They lip sync their shit. It's like, it's unbelievable. And they're white. I they're every, half of them white. I, <laughs> <laughs> I just think every, every five to 10 years, there's a resurgence of young rap fans wanting something that they can identify as raw or authentic or innovative or progressive or forward thinking or underground. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why you have an era right now where artists like myself or Open Mike Eagle or Rap Carrera or all these artists who are who, who have been on the fringes of rap music for the last decade are getting a lot of shine right now from young people, from mm -hmm. people who are like college age, teens, who are like, yo, I fuck with y'all because y'all make real underground music, real rap music. And when y'all perform, I can understand every word. I know that, you know, a, a lot of my peers, a lot of us perform the same way that I did in that show. Mm -hmm. Lackey, JPEG Mafia, we, we fucking play the show by ourselves. We control the music. We manipulate the music live. We, we sing, scream, rap every word live, just like the record. And I think there's people out there who want that and don't just want the water tossing and the stage diving. It's like, if you're going to give us the stage diving and the water tossing, you got to give us this other shit too because the other shit that we're doing is really the core of performance mm -hmm. all the other stuff throwing water diving that's the extras that's mm -hmm. the little that's the little icing on the on the cake that we're giving you because we we, we just love y'all so much you know mm -hmm. <laughs> right exactly and i feel that man why don't we give them a little a few examples of real music we're gonna play a few songs from fat tony right about now we're gonna come back with some more real talk Definitely appreciate you having you on the line, brother. We'll be right back. More from Fat Tony. This is a Pusher Mania podcast. King shit, man. Fat Tony. And we here. Fat Tony. No coke in the building. Hope you feel What I'm bringing. Come on. Come on. Let's get it. Waking up in the morning wondering what my purpose is in this lifestyle Right now I'm seeking out eternal bliss Pipe down you clowns that dare to dismiss sounds Coming out my area with two throws and scaring ya Down in the land of the candy painted vehicles Screw tape on repeat, bumping how we needed to Bass heavy, shaking every window up and down the block Wiping down my fresh tea, attracting boppers on the jock I'm on the job and on the clock Every time a rhyme emerges, waiting for my time to flourish Stacking paper, I'm encouraged by everything that I've seen And I know I'm a Young nigga with 
flow, but I'm not a menstrual cycle. I incite rules to be bent, help sense to repent. Hell bent on making throw shit since the age of 16. Been dominating my scene, conglomerating with niggas, accumulating this cream. Moving majorly, baby, ain't nothing ceasing my dreams. And it seems that I'ma do this shit till I see wings at the pearly gates. Away to my fate, time waits for no man. And I'll be damned if I'm late when destined to be chosen. One of the chosen few, man. I love my craft, I love what I do, I put my all into it, and I give it to y'all, that's how I do it, verse 2. March 24th, 88 was the date, which I stepped place in this lone star state, ready to accept fate, born fat Tony, Obediah, Jeffrey Jones, a fella that is on a level most never known, through the sentiments I've defended, I'm noted for being centered and written on the walls, all the memories I've entertained in my brain, looking back on past ways, and finally recollecting the lessons helping me tame. This true of a life through the stress and the strife through the bullshit diluting my lust for the mic. I'm not giving a fuck about any opposition. I'm propelling my position in this paper, pulling, missing, knocking niggas out the picture if they fucking up my focus. Oh shit, I will not condone it. Notice, I know my dreams, I'm looking for them now, and they just a better way. Gotta get them somehow. Gotta get them, man. Ain't no stopping when you on the train, when you on the road. You gotta let it go. Gotta get your goals on. Goes on, check it out, F, Fat Tony Rose. Never missing like a milk box. Image fucking scrimmage, I'ma finish at the hilltop. Gold metal glistening, hoes know to listen when fat tones giving them a demonstration and digging them down. If I'm feeling them, I finish it and benefit. Better know I'm finna wreck. Third ward representative, success is imminent. I'm a nigga known to infiltrate. You more prone to imitate. Nigga, why you been a fake? Get your whole shit straight. Talking about you been the bitch and benefit you. Not a pimp, you trick on hoes. All you know is fantasy. A Valencia, I concentrate on major dough. Trying to paint my road gold, trying to get my own rolls right up in my driveway. Fresh with tinted windows, ready for the highway. Hot boxing endo, playing my Nintendo, eating Super Mario's on the phone, getting done. Truly, that's the life. Everything is going my way. I go in super tight, like an underground king, wearing my crown ring. I'm shit, doing my thing. I'm a king, nigga, sitting, writing raps from my throne, blowing, blasting Ramones, records all I've ever known. Game is my kingdom, man. I'm here to rule it with pride, with prestige, giving y'all what you need. Fat Tony on the track. And it was you. I'm so hurt.
first met you knew that you were something special I fucked with other girls, but they weren't on your level You chose to settle down, I chose to meddle round Sticking my dick in penny women, slipping up on what I found In you, I had to change my attitude It doesn't matter who's the bigger man, I gotta do What I can for the one I desire Till I caught you on my front curb, slashing tigers Relationships are crazy shit, problems I often get When involving love and lust again, I've yet to learn my lesson Instead, it's been a blessing to be standing here alive and well Cause I'm high as hell with a girl with a heart like dog and mills. All these hoes, man, leave me so insane Leave me down the road of hollering in the pouring rain Hovering over past pain, wondering how to make a change Simple and plain, I don't think we got that much to gain Dang All the norm that a couple does When they in love, lots of hugs But I'm not the fella tryna wet her I'm just tryna fuck And I cannot seem to make her understand it That's what's up Such a losing game Dealing with this dame What a shame Cause I really thought that she was off the chain From the brain But this dame she complained about Every dang thing And I can't maintain Or even stay sane Man, is it worth the bitching and the game? Is it worth the tripping and the pain? When we met, you knew I wanted to bang from the lick of your lips, and you want the same thing. But at the time, I cut off your lights. things from Raptor Gab, but was, is that your first album? Yeah, that is my very first album, and I wanted to name an album that since I was a little kid, man. Explain that, because people not from Houston don't know. So Raptor Gab, when I was a young man, a much younger man than I am today, Raptor Gab stood for read a book, do a report, get a buck, and it was a literacy initiative by the Houston Independent School District. And this was going on when I was in like the fourth and fifth grade, right? Mm-hmm. And I just remember seeing the commercials for it when I got home from school. And when I started to want to be a rapper in like seventh and eighth grade, I always thought to myself, man, I want to name a song, Rabbit Gab, or name an album, Rabbit Gab, because people who are from Houston, who are of my generation, are going to are gonna hear that or see that, and they're going to get it, and it's going to be like, our own little secret. So I held on to that for so long and I made demos and mixtapes before that album, but I held on to that being the title of my debut album because I wanted it to be something special. 
Man, it was something special for sure. And that's what I was going to ask too. Do you, you had mixtapes before that though, right? You did have a couple like street releases in Houston before that one came out. Yeah, man. Like I, I started making music. I started, I probably did my first recording in like 2002. Right. Mm-hmm. So I started recording shit on cassette tape because that's all we had. Then we got a better computer and I was able to burn CDs. Mm -hmm. You know, I like went from having a group in middle school called Simply Throwed Entertainment to having a group in high school called The Low Ends. And just me and my friends took ourselves really seriously, even though we didn't have much going on. Like in middle school, we definitely had nothing going on. But in high school, I performed at the talent show. I started booking shows at this performance arts venue in Houston called Super Happy Funland. And I started booking shows there because they're the only venue who would return my call as like a 15-year-old trying to put on shows with rappers and punk bands and shit. That's real. And and like we would just like pass out CDs to our friends. I don't know if we really sold any. It wasn't really about selling them. It was, it was just about trying to present ourselves as real artists you know right and it was and it was fun and it wasn't even like it it was a few years of that before i felt like damn i really want to make music and make money and like try to get signed and all this shit at first it was just years of like we just love to rap and make it man i had a group with my boy james that was like a rap duo but we just did skits like some de la soul shit like we made whole cassette tapes of these skit albums that were like funny songs, parody songs, but us rapping and writing them and making the beats and all this shit. This is exciting, you know, just yeah. like people obsessed with music. And that's really real. And that's the kind of music I'm always drawn to is the, the, the art, the artists, not the acts, you know, the people who really, yeah. you know, who can't live without it. Like I can't live without music. You know, I don't make music. I just love music and I, lo- I can feel it when it's being made by someone who really, really is supposed to be doing it. And I can smell it when it's just some idiot rapping. Cause he feels like he should rap. <clears throat> yeah. That was never the vibe. And, and like, even in my friend group, the, the only reason why I started doing like solo music is because one by one friends of mine just got less interested in it. Mm-hmm. Like some real reason why, I even made a Fat Tony solo CD in the first place is I had a show booked at Walters back when it was on Washington. Mm-hmm. My senior year of high school with my high school group, the low end, and nobody from the group showed up. I was the only person that showed up for this concert. And I remember like, like my boy Robert, I spoke to him and I was like, bro, I'm headed over to the venue. Are you pulling up? And he's like, Oh man, my, my my dad want me to do blah blah blah, and I'm like, bro, we got a show. He's like, oh man, I'll catch the next one, and that was the moment where it kind of hit me that, yo, it's kind of gone from being just a fun thing to me trying to be professional with it. And I had a few solo songs in that group, so I just performed those at that show. And after that moment, I was like, man, I'm I'm gonna start making my own CD. So I so I put out a CD called Love Life. It was my first demo. I got beats from Hollywood Floss. I got beats from Shaka, who went on to be known as Tom Cruise, who is now known as Goldeneye, who also went on to produce Rabbit Gab and most of my albums. 
And um, I just fucking, that was really when I started being like, yo, I want to travel. Because I, cause I never left town until I made music. I, I didn't grow up with a family that could really afford to like go on vacations or do any shit like that, you know? Mm-hmm. We like weren't asked out, but we weren't rich. You know what I mean? Right. So through music, I discovered that I could buy plane tickets and plane tickets were kind of affordable. I discovered that I could take a Greyhound and go to other parts of Texas. And I once took a Greyhound to go to Atlanta to do a studio session and play a house show with Blackie. Um, I like met up with him. He was on tour and, and I took the bus out there. And, you know, I, I I just had nothing to lose. You know, when when you're young and you're one deep and you're obsessed with music and you have the opportunities, you go for them. So mm-hmm. I went after everything. I got invited to play CMJ. That was my first time going to New York. And by that time, uh, Shaka, my producer, started living there. So I, I started coming back there more and making friends and and I was so pissed off that night because I ran, like, I was trying to get over. I, I walked into that show and you were like, thank you, good night. I was so oh, mad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, we have My to get to Fat Tony. We have to get to the, get over there. We ha- You know, because when you run around with the other, like, I'm going to relate this to, I'm gonna, I, I want to react to what you just said, but, like, even just in, in life, when you're running around with too many people, it's harder to achieve what you're trying to achieve. Like, I'm like, I need to get over to yeah. Fat Tony. What the fuck are y'all talking about? Let's go. Why am I still waiting with you guys or whatever? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I just left and went to that. But in the last podcast I did with Tom Dark, that was a real mentor to me. Like I spent my, <clears throat> you know, talking about the same age group as you were right out of high school. My, my time out of high school, I was a roadie and a tour manager for punk bands, you know, oh, Jesus. Hold on. Word. Hold on one second. Hold on. Anyways, we'll start that over. All good. You can close the door. It's fine. You can make noises. It's fine. We can have backing noises. The girls are here. Um, oh, welcome back. Yes. Um, so out when I got out of high school, I spent my time as a as a roadie tour manager, driving the van, riding the Greyhound, just because that's all I wanted to do. I wanted to travel, and I think about like what the Tom Dark, the last guy I talked to. The last podcast he talked about it was one of my favorite bands, Knife Dance. I love them. And they would do the van tours and they would go around. You know, they weren't Black Flag. They weren't something that big. But they were out doing indie punk tours. And then they had a tour booked where they had like some pretty big shows. A lot of good shit, you know, like a six week tour or something like that. Yeah. Bomb ass tour. And then a couple weeks before the tour, the members were like, we're not going. You know, like they quit. Wow. And like that happened with the band, this band called Lost was the first band from my hometown that I toured with. They would do, we'd go out there for six weeks at a time and just kill it, not kill it, but you know, have the best time of our life and have cool shows being like the weirdest small towns and, and big cities. Yeah. And their first record they did independently. The second record, John Reese from Rocket from the Crypt, he started a label and he was also working for Cargo Distribution and he signed, oh, he signed them to their second record, and there was all this, like, everything was looking so good. It was going to be great. Fell apart. They're like, yeah. Like, two members were down, two weren't. Nothing, you know, it just got to that point. Everything fell apart. It's like, people don't understand how hard it is to keep, 
like it's hard to find good help. These they say all the time. Yeah. You know, like the boss is always like, "Oh, it's hard to find good help." Well, it's hard to find someone who can recognize your vision and work with you on that level. And that can go to relationships. That can go into music. That can go into your work. But like in music, yeah, I've seen totally. it so many times. I've seen it so many times. Like the 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 one person waiting it down or holding it back, and the other one just running running for the finish line. You know. And I see you're still running. It's amazing. Yeah, man. It's it's just like to even want to do music or any kind of art, you have to be fucking insane. And it's hard to find people who are literally as crazy as you are. And I think once I started doing stuff on my own, especially moving around, it just opened up a new world to me. Because it's also easier to like meet people and like connect with people, right. you know, that is how I met people who went on to sign me or to represent me as an agent or PR or whatever, or like producers, rappers, singers who like collaborated with me. Cause I could pull up by myself with my own energy that I knew was good and not have to worry about a friend of mine saying the wrong thing or, or like somebody in my crew being inappropriate or being too fucked up or something. It's just allowed me more control over the environment and just made it safer. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, for sure. And traveling, you know, opportunity doesn't knock. It actually does not come and just knock on your door. You have to go, you have to go get it. And Houston, as cool as it is, and as much uh, independent success it had for so many years, there's no media there. There's a little bit now. Yeah. But back in the day, there was no media. The source came down when, uh, the ghetto boys got banned basically. And that was, they came for the ghetto boys and then Fisu got a little side thing, you know, like Houston wasn't getting, you know, journalists for the most part weren't being flown into Houston to cover what was, what was happening, you know, and the ones who made it were the ones who hit the road. Now, the funny thing is the generate, and I want to ask you about some of the stuff you were listening to around that time, but the generation before the Swisher house and the Swisher house, they made it. In a very, I mean, it's, Texas is big, but in a relatively small part of the world, if you think about Houston rap in its best era, when there were artists who main, <clears throat> people around the country never even heard of, but they were selling 100,000 records and to get 1,000 yeah. people to come to a show at ESG, a Fat Pat, you know, people like this, Lil Kiki, of course. <clears throat> Excuse me. The uh, That was a small circle, and it was literally a circle. It was... This is, this is the funny thing about doing own interviews. You get suspected spam callers beeping in on you. <laughs> beep, beep. Anyways, um, their circle literally went from like Houston to San Antonio to Austin to Dallas to Shreveport down to Lake Charles and Beaumont and back in Houston. It was like a circle. And then there were pockets like there was always fans in like Jackson, Mississippi. But that's also because there yeah. was a guy like Charlie Braxton there who was promoting everything from the south obsessively he's like my og and one of the first he was yeah, for sure like the Bun first told me they would play jackson a lot yeah jackson and had, he still plays jackson to this day yeah jackson had for some reason jackson had a lot of love for houston and like birmingham alabama there was a couple places but i mean houston rap didn't really even it got to baton rouge sort of but it didn't even really get to new orleans new orleans had its yeah. own thing you know so this was like this really small sort of region and community and it just 
it was like a like a slow cooker. It just cooked and cooked and cooked and cooked and cooked, and then the slow cooker eventually bursts, and uh, mm. and Houston had its had its uh its biggest moment, I would say. But people always talk about you know this you know Swisher House and all this and how that was, you know, <clears throat> it was huge and it was amazing. But we also had a big moment when the Ghetto Boys, you know, when 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 we can't be stopped happened. I mean, Mind Playing Tricks is one of the biggest yeah. biggest songs in rap. Um, yeah. The had we had a moment with uh, "Wanna Be a Baller." Oh yes, you know people got signed off "Wanna Be a Baller." South Park Mexican had a moment right around the same time. Uh, yeah, you know there was a lot. You know my name. Yeah, FPM. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, but this wasn't that wasn't the first time, you know. But it was the first time that the media gave a shit. And to be honest, you going to New York, I hooked up with Roxy Cottontail and people like Diplo and stuff like that were, were yeah. looking at us and linking with those people and like literally going to New York every month doing those parties enabled us to just, you know, get in that system a bit, you know, like the journalists, you know, my, what I get credit for is back then before email, but I mean, the dudes didn't even have email, but like before uh, any kind of social media, you couldn't just get a hold of ESG. You know, if you're mm. like, oh, I want to, I'd like to do a story on uh, what's happening in Houston right now. How can I get a hold of Michael Watts? Man, you pretty much couldn't unless, yeah. you know, but I've worked with Murder Dog and I worked in the, that world and I networked with these people and my number got passed around like crazy and I'd literally go find them. I'd literally go to the screw shop. I'd literally go up to Greenspoint Mall. It's like asking around, seeing who like had a number or they've seen them recently. Well, that. <clears throat> that, but also we had the radio show and, and working with Murder Dog. Like, I had a good connection with a lot of the people, and Bun helped a lot. Like, Bun co-signed me heavily to a lot of people. Mm. So, I mean, Bun B, just like, I mean, I'm like a million people out there that was helped by Bun B, for sure. I mean, yeah, totally. that, that era, like, when you were, like, in high school and, and middle yeah. school, was so crazy for Houston. Tell me about Yeah, I mean... like. What were some of the mixtapes you were listening to, like in albums, like Houston stuff? When I mean, I know you're from Third Ward, which is Southside. Yeah. But third... So far as Houston rap goes, I remember being a kid and being really into Kiki and Scarface and Devin the Dude and Fat Pat and Big Mo. Mm-hmm. And I especially like Mo because I knew he was from my neighborhood because mm-hmm. my my karate teacher, Master Mungu on Almeda Road, who has passed away now, Man. at his at his karate studio, he had a big Mo poster in there. And I'd be like, Oh, which was what, what is up with this? Like I'm like I'm a kid, I love rap music. And he's like, Oh the, you know, some of these rappers that be coming in here, uh, put it up there and he's like, Man, I and I got some rappers from Rex Rex Shop, you ever heard of them? I'm like, Yeah, I know what that is. Man. It's like, yeah, some of them like to come on by and just like talk to me about the old days and just chop it up. I'm gonna so guess. It, it I'm, gonna guess most of them, I'm gonna guess most of them were not exercising. But go ahead. Yeah, I just, <laughs> <laughs> they were. They were probably seriously just, just like, yo, that's like they probably met him because my karate teacher was was like a character. He was like an outspoken, loud, tall yellow bone black dude who had been in the neighborhood for a long time. He mm-hmm. probably had like a lot of stories and was just a cool guy to, you know, kick it with. So I'm not surprised yeah. to hear that, but that was what life was like for me growing up. Like 
all these rappers that I knew of, it felt like they were just right around the corner and I could run right. into them at any time. And, and they were on the same level to me as other famous rappers that, that I knew mm-hmm. of, like Jay-Z or Master P, you know, artists I'd hear on the radio. It, it never really dawned on me that these rappers were local or regional. You know, rappers, period, were like the same to me. But these are just the rappers who are from my neighborhood. Right. Man, I remember in uh, middle school, I don't know if this was a rumor or what, but allegedly Scarface shot some of the On the Block video across the street from my middle school. And me and some of my friends tried to like sneak to go find a video location and like run up on them. Like rap was just so, Houston rap was just so in my face. And we also had shows like Street Flavor on uh, Channel 8, PBS. With, with mostly played Houston rap videos. Exactly. There was a public access channel show that played it. So it was easy to access it. For far as albums that I played, I feel like the first Houston rap album that I bought that really blew me away was Paul Wall and Chameleonaire, Get Your Mind Correct. So that album came out the summer between eighth grade and ninth grade. Wow. And I... And, and I had my first summer job. I bought my first bass. Um, you know, the, the first time I'm like spending my, my own money buying like music stuff, buying skateboard stuff. And I bought that CD and it was just like, like the talk of the town, like the word of mouth for that album. I don't think any Houston rap album since then has had the straight up word of mouth buzz that that album had. Cause everybody at my school was talking about it, quoting it like, Man. It was a phenomenon, and it didn't have no music videos or anything, from what I remember. No, not really, and that was such a quality album, man. It was such a complete album. Like, it was a, from start to finish, it all worked together, and he and Paul, and, you know, no, there was no cussing on that album at all. Oh, so wow. it was perfect for a, a young person in eighth grade and all that, and uh, I will tell you this, it's funny, I was at that the On My Block video shoot the whole time, and I can, I'm trying to remember the woman's name who directed it, but she lives like just west of me here in Austin now. I remember when she came back to Austin, and I'm, oh, crazy. I see her face, and I'm blanking on her name so bad, it's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I used to shoot photos for a lot of those videos, and you know, that's crazy. You were in eighth grade, Paul Wall and Chameleon were basically just out of high school, because they used to come crazy. over... <clears throat> They used to come over, and my daughter's just got here. My Ava, who will be 18 next month, I'd have her in my arms and Paul Wall and Chameleonaire at my kitchen table talking about the industry and then going to shooting pictures. I used to live right at Tapton Polk, right on between Montrose and Fourth Ward. So we had oh, a wow. lot of scenery over there. And I, they, they'll tell you to this day, I was the first interview and first photo shoot they ever did. And that was for, That's Mur- crazy. for Murder Dog. But when I met them, I was like, I could tell... I was, you know, to be honest, I could tell there was something special. When they broke up, I cussed them both out. I was like, "What is wrong with you? What is wrong with y'all, man? You just made this classic." And to yeah, this man, day, to this day, I don't know why day, they broke up. Something happened more than any of us know. I don't know. I really yeah. don't. And it, I was, I called them both. I was like, "What is wrong with you?" And Paul's like, "Man, I can't. I ain't doing nothing." And Cam's like, "Man, I miss I'm like, "Okay." And then you can yeah. see as their careers moved on, they totally went in different directions. You know, they were yeah. both, when they were together, they were sober. They were 100% sober. I, I think Chameleonaire probably still is. And, you know, there's no smoking, no drinking. Did you know that they were a Christian rap group with PKT as the third member before they became a duo and did Get Your Mind Correct? What the hell? 
Paul Wall. Do you're you know kidding. Who, do you remember who PKT is? Yeah. Paul Wall, I think I saw him. Yeah. I think I saw him do a um, do like a lecture or something with Bun B when he was teaching at like right. I bet. I bet you did. Yeah, man. And so so Paul Wall and Camille started out as a Christian rap group. Huh? I can't remember the name of it either. Yeah, and I didn't know them then, but yes. They totally did. What? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. And you got to think about, you know, I mean, Street Flavor and then when, when Hatter and Watts and them were on Sunday nights on the box. Yeah. That was the beginnings of uh, internet radio. That was right around the time when, you know, it, was, it didn't come in great, but, like, I lived in Chicago at the time before, you know, right before all that, I lived in Chicago for three years. And uh, mm. was still... Lil Troy would fly me down. I, I helped write his first website. I helped him with a bunch of stuff and, and was always in the mix with Houston. But um, when I was in Chicago, that like really held me down on like when middle fingers were on that show. Like, and it didn't always, the, mm-hmm. the, stream, the stream did not always work on uh on the box or whatever on the site back in, this is 2000, 2001 at yeah. the latest. But uh, man, I basically, when uh, we found out we were going to have a baby, I was already sick of Chicago's weather. I love Chicago. I'd rather, uh, I'd, I'd love to be there anytime when the nice weather. It's, it's, it's great such, in the summer. Such culture and music. And to me, I think some of the most innovative rap music ever was what, you know, especially the West Side, but also the South Side. But the West Side crazy shit from the mm-hmm. sni- snipers and psychodrama and do or die. The list yep. goes on and on and on all the stuff Traxter did, EC Illa, they were like real independent um, uh, pioneers for sure. And the sound was just crazy. I love that music. But I was like, man, we got to get out of here and we're going back to Texas and we're going to Houston. It's, yeah. about, it's about to happen again. And Houston, Houston is really happening right now. And man, I came down and it was such an exciting period for music. It was for Houston. So what music. was the difference really from that like, from like your vantage point, what was the difference from stuff that was popping during the 90s and stuff that was popping during the 2000s with that Swisher House era? I don't know, man. I mean, to be honest, it all comes from, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't tell you how to explain it because I'm a Ghetto Boys super fan. Yeah, and the Ghetto Boys and the and the the era of the SPC, the terrorists and K Reno and all that were real aggressive. Like they were yeah. hard, hardcore ass groups and artists, and I loved it was damn near horrorcore. Yeah, I mean, Gangster Nip for sure invented horrorcore, but yeah, that shit was so crazy. But then Screw came in and just infected. That may be a bad term for the moment, but literally. Like a, he was like a virus, like a, a positive virus. He got into people's souls, especially in Houston, I but throughout crew. Texas. Like I can't explain this, and I say it all the time that there's been better DJs, there's been bigger DJs, but there's no DJ that touched a, their community like screwed it. I mean, we can say talk about Cool Herc inventing hip hop and things like that. Okay, fine, but what I'm saying with Screw was so deep, like so deep that sound just yeah. literally took I mean, it took over over like it, it, it i mean <clears throat> fat pack could sell out more a bigger venue than jay-z at that time in houston yeah you know like that sort of thing so 
for me, and then the Swisher House, they were like a north side response to it. It was like, okay, people want slowed down music, we're going to give it to you from here. You know, and so the whole city, and, and before the Swisher House, there were people, there was DJs in Dallas, like doing, you know, copying Screw's style and putting him on CD, because Screw's never put, put his stuff on CD when he was alive. He was yeah. all tapes and all directed people. He never sold to stores. He only sold from his own shop or his own house, and he sold tapes. That was what he did. I actually met Michael Watts for the first time at Music Mania in Austin, coming mm. in selling Swisser House CDs and tapes. And I was like, oh, shit, I've been hearing about you guys. You know, so it was a, to me, my, my rambling point here is I can't really explain how it happened. It just happened. Like screw took over yeah. and took the mindset mindset of Houston and brought this sound that Houston took as theirs. Cause to me, I thought the ghetto boys were original too. I mean, they, you compare them to NWA, but they were like way more aggressive and rowdy than NWA even. Especially yeah, yeah. Raw vibe. And the sound, like yeah. the sound was so raw. Like it was, it was similar to NWA in certain ways, and similar to some of the stuff that came before. The Public Enemy too. Yeah, exactly. But it was the Ghetto Boys, and then when that when when that sound happened, like why was Lil Flip able to sell forty mixtapes a year? I mean, I mean, when I say forty mixtapes a year, I mean forty different mixtapes to thousands of people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like every other week there was a fucking little flip mix. And that's just yeah. one. That's just one artist. And you know, the whole Man, thing. during that era, yeah. honestly, I I really wasn't buying a shitload of like the current records. Like like I didn't buy uh the, the Paul Wall album or the Mike Jones album or like the Community album because by that point I was starting to research all the classic Houston records. Mm -hmm. So like around that time, I started checking out Devin's first couple albums. Cause the first album of his that I bought was to the extreme, which is his third album. Yep. That was like my introduction to him in like full CD form. Yep. So I started digging into his music, UGK. Like at this time I'm in high school and I'm a music fiend and I have money to spend. So I'm looking for all the old school stuff. And then I would check out the singles of the newer artists. Like I would check out the Paul Wall singles, you know, the, the Mike Jones singles. But when I kick it with my boys and I listen to the full album, the album didn't really catch me the way that those classic Houston rap albums did. So I never really paid attention to their full CDs. I, I just jammed the singles and just focus on like all this, Houston rap canon that I missed and I was also catching up on Screw because like like you said Screw never put his music onto CDs but the Screw shop started putting out CDs I think when I was in 10th grade and I was friends with these two dudes these two white boys who loved Screw and one was like a tape collector freak he would love to try to get the old Triple Six Mafia tape off of eBay and he would love to get the old Screw tape so we would go to the screw shop all the time and me and my and, and me and the other dude would be buying the new CDs trying to catch up. And my other boy would only be buying tapes and he was like, yo, the tape is the real shit. And nowadays I kind of envy him because they don't sell those tapes no, no more and he still got them. And I was like, damn, he was on to something. Man, for real. That's a, that's, 
pretty much explains what sets you apart then, I think, man. You skipped the hype. That's that's yeah, amazing. Like, 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 that's like more... I loved it, but just the album didn't really compel me the way that so I, I had too much catching up to do. I felt like if by that point I had grown up and had known about the 90s stuff and had seen it happen, I'd be more into checking out what the current artists were doing then. Right. But I felt like the singles were dope enough, and, I, and I'm not saying that it was whack. Like, the singles that that Paul Wall and Mike Jones and, and Cam and all them put out were amazing, and it was enough to satisfy me to this day. I still jam. But that's interesting. I think it's also because you're an underground dude. You know, like, you're into deeper things, into more forms of music than just rap, but you're also, let's face it, you were at an age where those guys were coming out on major labels. Yeah. You know, and I don't know if that mattered to you or whatever, but at that age, when I was young, I, you know, when I discovered punk rock and as hip hop was, was happening and becoming more interesting, um, I had no, you know, I mean, like I love Led Zeppelin. Okay. Led Zeppelin is a great band. No, no, no argument there for me. But when I was a teenager, I'd be like, shut, get this Led Zeppelin off of here, uh, man. What the fuck is this? Straight person? up. Play this new fucked up tape that I got from some dude in a van <laughs> in Cleveland. Straight up. You know what I mean? Like, I was I like, not, whatever, dude. I, I mean, don't care what they played on the radio. I didn't want to hear that. I was, yeah. a, I was the man. I was the man with the music. You know what I mean? I was like, open-minded to all music coming up. So when it came to rock music, I was like, yo, if it ain't punk or punk adjacent, I'm not checking for it. It like took me it, it like took me going to college and like growing up starting to be like, Oh, there's other kinds of rock music out there that's okay. There's like music that happened before Iggy Pop, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's interesting, man, to think about you in that era and that when it was happening. Because to me, thinking about your age and my age and like I was around, you know, young people who were literally picking up every, you know, I worked when I I came to Austin, it was 98. I lived here for a bit, 97, 98. And uh, I was actually working at music mania, which was a pretty major record store here for rap. And uh, yeah, I was there when fat Pat was killed and he was killed right around like the week of the release of his album or whatever. Oh wow. You know, and I was in there and it was almost it was like torture because you didn't yeah. know the record day. Well, it's torture that he died. It's it's a tragedy. Houston is such as a as a whole is just a tragic story. But man, I'd be at work behind the counter and I'm telling you, all I would hear is, You got fat pat? You got fat pat? Yeah. You got fat pat? You got Fat yeah. Pat? You got Fat Pat? That's all. It's Fat Pat out yet? Fat Pat? The Fat Pat? It was like, man, nonstop. Everyone was just waiting on that, waiting on that, waiting on that. And I think like a little later, seeing like the kids who like literally did have every little flips. I mean, I don't even know how. I have boxes and boxes of things that people would give them to me for the radio or whatever. Yeah. But like, I don't even know how kids were affording <laughs> the output. I have friends uh, like that. Like, I will tell you this to like really show my age. Yeah. The first time I ever smoked weed, yeah. me and my boy went to the mall so that he could pre-order the Paul Wall album from Sam Goody. Wow. And he was a dude in my crew who did buy like every flip underground tape, every Houston, everything. He bought it all. Man. 
I was like, let me check it out first. And if I'm compelled to it, I'm going to buy it. But I'm not going to buy it off the strength that it's from Houston. Like, it's got to fit my taste. Right, exactly. Well, let's uh, give them a few more examples of your uh, newer output. Uh, play a few songs. We'll come back, talk some more with Fat Tony. And, uh, For sure. Yeah, man. Enjoy this. It's Pusher Mania's podcast show. I turn that tape up, cut. I'll be that, 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 I'll be
kissing and that nigga still pissed If that boy don't begin to chill, I'ma have to hit the kill switch He went to an office, told a boss he's an alcoholic, they almost lost it But when they found out what he's all about and how he's getting down, they were like Oh shit, she's exhausted, found him hiding inside a closet When the cops came, they thought it was strange, he was naked as a jaybird looking to range It's a goddamn shame, I'm shaking my motherfucking head, this fool is foolish He says he wants her dead, and I dare this dude to do it So we changed the locks, told every thug on the block Had a neighborhood on watch, but he just could not stop A week later, we made it to the 9 o'clock news They found him in our bushes, now his tush is being abused Ooh, I said I'd be it if you need it I said I'd be it if you need it I said I'd be it if you need it I said I'd be it Song, last song we played is Wake Up. <clears throat> yeah. Important song, times like this. And a jamming song from your new, is that your newest album? Because you put yeah, out, I can't keep up with you sometimes. You're, all, you're always coming with records. And one thing I wanted to ask you is, 
I don't, I don't even know if it's a question. It's like almost all of your records, not all of them, but almost all of your records have been collaborations with one producer. Am I wrong? You have some that yeah. had multiple producers, but I feel like your most of your records are genuine projects that you yeah, do with one definitely. one producer. Tell me a little bit about that and that approach. So from day one, I wanted to have a sound that was unique to Fat Tony. And I felt like if I tried to hop around with a bunch of producers who were working with other artists, I would eventually not truly attain that. I would eventually sound a little bit like someone else, even if it's on accident. So I always looked for producers who were left field and also not working with a ton of artists. Most of my albums, Rab Gab, Smart Ass Black Boy, Half of McGregor Park, they're produced by Goldeneye, formerly known as Tom Cruise, mm -hmm. whose real name is Shaka. Yep. So he is my longtime main producer. But then I like to do projects like Wake Up, where I lock in with a different producer to do a project just to have a different sound that's like kind of string from the foundation of my Fat Tony world, but just give you something different. Right. So with Wake Up, I linked up with Tay Dex, who's an L.A.-based producer, who I met because he did a beat on my McGregor Park album. And he was just one of those dudes that I just vibed with and just liked to sit and just chop it up with him. Right. Like, we've made tons of songs, but we've also spent plenty of time just, like, kicking it and just talking. And I think any kind of collaborator I have, I want there to be a bond like that because I feel like that's, where great music starts you know great music doesn't start with just like oh you're popping and i'm popping and and i'm trying to get with you guys so let's link up and make a song i think it's got to start from a genuine place where you can talk about things that you agree on you can argue you can share similar interests you you can really get to know how someone thinks you know what i mean right I love that. And to this day, you know, I'm, I'm like staying true to that, you know, and I, and I want to go even further. I'm on some like shit right now where I don't want to do a bunch of features for artists. I ain't trying to get a bunch of features. Like I have an album coming out later this year that Shaka produced. It's called Exotica. Mm -hmm. and, the, and, and it was going to be my first album with no features. We were recording it out in Jamaica and mm -hmm. Bun B hit me and having to be out there so he got on the album. Man. And he was the only feature. And that's kind of how I want to rock from like here on out. Like features should be few and far between and if they are, it has to make sense in my world. Whether it's an OG or it's my peer that's the real, real good homie. And it's really Man. special. Well, you had mentioned, you. I don't remember exactly how you said it about the 90s and the 2000s, but that's two, I could say two things about the late 90s especially. One thing that was kind of dope with, you know, the No Limit style of making records and stuff was that, like, you would buy records and there would be a million features and you'd hear all these people, like, Bun and Pimp were on, like, everybody's album of the whole history of yeah. the late 90s. And <clears throat> that was kind of fun and kind of cool. But I remember having a talk with my friend EC up in Chicago at his record shop. We were talking about records and... I honestly think around 96 is when hip hop started falling off a little bit, even though it is when it started getting even bigger and bigger and it never totally fell off. But this, you know, like I said, the biorhythms, the ups and the downs and this and that. Yeah. One thing that people used to always say 
Man, I got something for everybody on my album. I got I got yeah. songs for the bitches. I got songs for the players. I got songs for the for the weed heads. And it's like, yeah, but I wanted to hear the album, and I don't like half this shit. Like, and your song for the women isn't that good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or yeah. whatever. You know, like I ain't I ain't trying to market my way. Right. I ain't trying to market or brand my way into making a good album. I'm just trying to make great music that really speaks to me. And if I really believe in it, it'll translate to somebody else's ears too. But I think all all that shit, like, like you know, let's try a little bit of this to appeal to this audience yeah. and, and try this to appeal to this demographic. I think that shit is super played out. And that really was going on heavy when I was coming up making music too yeah. because coming up far as me being a teenager, being in high school, because there was that idea of, oh, you have to make a club song. Yep. You have to make a ringtone rap-friendly song. You know what I mean? Exactly. And and I resisted all that shit. I was like, no fucking way. I am trying to do my own thing that maybe to you it feels like I'm pulling from like this and that, but I'm really just pulling from myself. Yep. You know, like I, I would hear so many people back in the day be like, yo, you from Houston, but you don't really sound like a Houston rapper. And I feel like my way of sounding like a Houston rapper is by being as original as possible. Cause when I look back at the great artists from the nineties and shit from Houston, they were super original. Mm -hmm. Screw music is super different than anybody else. Shit. UGK is super different. Devner dude has never been another artist like him ever. Nothing. You know what I mean? Not so so compared. so that was the path that I wanted to take. Willie D, Scarface, and, and even outside of that, even outside of that, on my first album, Rabbit Gap, I sample Love It Man. Yeah. Exactly. So how much more age town you wanna get? <laughs> well that's the thing. That, that and I used to actually take some of the journalists that would come down, I'd take them to like the Mexican markets. I would take them to like weird little art spots in Houston. Like if they were there for a few days, I'd be like, look, man, this is, there's more to it than this. And if you go with just the damn rapper, you're going to go see one thing. He's going to be smoking blunts in your face all day and just talking shit about how he's the only one doing it. No, <laughs> there's a lot more going on in Houston than just this. And it's part, everything about Houston is what made every one of those artists, you know, I mean, it wasn't just, that one thing. And that's one of the problems in music. And I always say, you know, when, you know, you know me really well, you know that I'll bitch about things and bitch about music. But to be honest, when I am complaining about this sort of shit, it's not so much dissing the artists. It's dissing the, the industry and the bullshit that surrounds it. And totally. when the artists get too influenced by outside influences, like I love that somebody like, you know, I've had a couple, I've known, I've known Devin since the odd squad. And I've had a couple times where I've suggested things to him. Nothing big like change your sound, do this, do that. I'd be like, oh man, you mm -hmm. should speak on that shit or whatever. Never once has he done it. And it's never, and it's maybe only been twice or two or three times that maybe, you know, because we spend a lot of time together on the road talking about stuff, you know? Yeah. It's not about my, me being AR and your stupid fucking record. You know, you make a great record, you know? And I think yeah, that's where up. things got messed up. Like, you know, like, the wrong, I mean, dude, to be honest with you, in 94, I lived in New York, and I went, and I I was really, you know, this is, Diddy, you know, Puff Daddy was was throwing parties, and it was starting to happen, but yeah, that year, my goal 
was what Puff Daddy, what Diddy became. Like, that's what I saw myself as. I was like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be this industry. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make a huge label. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Yeah. I went up there in New York and I was interning. I was in and out of all these offices. I wrote for a lot of the magazines and stuff. So I was able to go, you know, I'd go pick up CDs and meet people. And I have good friends from the music industry still, but man, a lot of them people that were behind these records, a lot of these white people for real. I'm a white dude too. I don't give a fuck to say it. I was like, Y'all are some whack people. Yeah. Y'all are some <laughs> whack ass people, man. You are not the type of people I want to hang out with. I don't want to go have yeah. a drink with these people. I don't want to really even be seen with you. And I'm, I, you know, like literally, like I met good, good people in the industry in New York, but I, there's just so many just like slimy, whack, horrible ideas. You know what I mean? Yeah. And people talk about like what happened was, you know, the accountants took over the labels, basically. <clears throat> yeah, well. And man, it's, I have resisted so much. damn near every suggestion that a record label gave me. I remember when I made my Smart Ass Black Boy album. Yeah. When I made the song BKNY, which is to this day my biggest song, if you just look at the numbers. Mm-hmm. Millions of streams on Spotify. I remember when I turned in the album, our A&R, who later got fired, he was beefing with us and he was like, yo, this song ain't finished until we get Action Bronson on this song. What? And I was like, bro, first of all, Action Bronson, I think he's from Queens, yeah. not from Brooklyn. He's for sure. Second from of all, I don't want to spend my budget on this expensive feature with somebody I don't even know just because yeah. you think they're hot. It's my song. Yeah. And I put a guy on it who to the label was like a no-name. But he was really from Brooklyn, and he gave a verse that was true to what I wanted the song to be. Mm-hmm. And it worked out for the better. You know, a lot of people with, with like, a lot of industry people who are so far removed from being a fan and a music lover, they only think with this branding brain. Yep. And their ideas of strategy are often short-sighted and only what is good for that moment. It's hard for them to think, what is this going to mean years down the line? Right. Well, go get yourself a little puppet Bieber and fucking, or what? I mean, Bieber's a real artist, I think, but <clears throat> go get yourself some little puppet and make his fucking record for him if that's what you want. Why are you fucking with Fat Tony? You know yeah, because there there are artists people. that oh, there's want that. Of, I don't want that, though. No, no, no. <laughs> there's plenty of people who, are, who will say, yes, sir, no, sir, and just you know, show me how to do this. Why don't we play BKNY yeah. right now and uh, come back. We'll talk a little bit more with Fat Tony. We'll go all over the place. This is how we do it. Pusher Mania podcast event today. Turn the lights down. Turn the bass off right quick. Turn the bass off right quick, my nigga. Yeah. Bring it in. Bring it in, though. Bring it in right quick, though. Bring it in right there. Right there. Yeah. Mr. Motherfucking like Esquire Hold up, hold on, pipe down I'm on the phone with Nassau and Quire And the intern and Quire Is she really my girlfriend? Is my album gonna be weird? And how much money have I acquired? I told her I can answer anything she desires She said we can't be getting freaky or she'll be fired But I was an artist running like forest in the forest that she admired She told me to meet her in Bed-Stuy on Friday, round a quarter to five I could barely get a break in them thighs Yeah, we on the creep, R.I.P. 
R.I.P. Left Eye I ain't R. Kelly, but I'm thinking Kelly got that vibe I push my pride aside, slide inside till she tired Been in it for so long, I might retire Wrote it like a carnival with an article, said I was fine I ain't from there, but I come there and I fuck a girl in Crown Heights I ain't from there, but I come there and I feel to walk around at night I'm in best out with a red eye, I'm the shit in Bushwick Blowing cushion, flat bush, Brooklyn Atlanta Cav, I'm Dollar Van, I'm Fulton Hall, I'm down to Bam I'm Lafayette, I'm Utica, I'm Malcolm X, I'm Notion Ave I'm Empire, me Renton Ave, I'm Flatbush, I'm Farragut I'm Kings Highway, Prosper Park, LinkedIn, Boulevard I'm Brooklyn Bowl, I'm South Park, I'm Flashlands, I'm Union Hall I'm Cold Crust, Crown Fried, Red Star, Gentrified I'm Picking Ave, that Rockaway, I'm Museum First Saturday on the parkway on Labor Day I'm your son, BK Holla, hola, 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 y'all Party done, I'm lying down my show up, y'all Church at jerk chicken with the bell smoke Girls with the attitudes for reason that we'll never know Camera towers everywhere, potholes in the road Make your ties disappear See the block, see it's black, you gon' see the cops Tense unless it's a time when you need the guys I can stop, hop to the roti shop Ollie's for them doubles and some sour sap I'm leaving, gypsy cab, pile it back Only go a block and a half, charge your ass these tags for that And poppy, Bodega got that facelift Go inside It's still the same shit all day, every day. That's what we say. Like a store, corner store, like a store. BK. I ain't from there, but I come there and I fuck a girl in Crown Heights. I ain't from there, but I come there and I feel to walk around at night. I'm in Best Out with a red eye. I'm the shit in Bushwick, blowing cushion, flat bush, Brooklyn. Hey, Abby in Williamsburg. I know me and my friends get up on your nerves, but thanks for letting us stay. I appreciate it to this day. And then, yeah, I'm in Bushwick. You really got my heart, shit. I wanna give back what you gave. I'ma be here to your grave. I'm on the rooftop, barbecuing with Shocker Group. AKA Tom Cruise, got the paparazzi pursuing. And they wanna see all of our activities. They tryna photograph all of our extremities. In my mind, I'm kind of akin to Socrates. On these bees, I'm sorta like Hercules. Cause I be handling traveling on or off the court. Especially when I be off in New York. I ain't from there, but I come there and I fuck a girl in Crown Heights. I ain't from there, but I come there and I feel to walk around at night. I'm in best out with a red eye, I'm the shit in Bushwick. Blowing cushion, flat bush, Brooklyn. I ain't from there, but I come there and I fuck a girl in Crown Heights. I ain't from there, but I come there and I feel to walk around at night. I'm in best out with a red eye, I'm the shit in Bushwick. Blowing cushion, flat bush, Brooklyn. I do. I, I will fully admit this to you, though, Tony. <clears throat> I admire you for making that song, but I did have a moment where I was like, "Why is he doing a song called BKNY? But then I was like, <laughs> no, "I mean, I have to admit, I was like, what is this?'" And then I was like, "Well, it is a great song, and he's in Brooklyn." And I really feel as though anyone trying to do something in music or entertainment at all, 
you have to go do your time, man. You have to do your time in New York for a little bit. You have to do your time in LA for a little bit. You at least have to go there and visit yeah. and pound the pavement and meet some people. But if you can go that year that I spent in New York, at, I was there like January to December and it was the same thing at the end of the year. I was like, I'm going back to Texas. Fuck this. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, fuck this. You know, I'm not... but I love New York. I love to I visit New York any day. I love it. Love it. But to live there is like, no, thank you. But like, I fucking love it too. But and you have to and do the it. reason why we made that song is wasn't just because we were there at, at, at the time, because we weren't. We were living in LA at the time. But we had wow. so many friends there and we had so many fun experiences there. Shaka had been living there for mm-hmm. a few years by that point. You know, our manager lived out there. Our label was based out there. We had so many, man, I know so many fools from. Houston that I grew up with that moved out there and yep. still live out there folks in jazz and in hip hop and in art and all kind of shit so I wanted to represent for our experience of transplants coming to experience this new Brooklyn culture and not just the hipster shit you know in this song we're like talking about Flatbush, Crown Heights, Bedside and we shout now Williamsburg too but we represent for all of Brooklyn mm-hmm. and that's just something that I like to do in my music, because I feel really blessed that I get to travel. Like I said before, I never got to travel at all before I did music. So when I get these chances to live in like different places and they mean something to me, I want to represent them in my music. So I've made songs about Brooklyn. I've made songs about Houston. I've made songs about Los Angeles. I've made songs about Mexico City. Like I just want to represent for being a fucking curious guy that gets to travel. Were you living in Mexico City for a while? Yeah, I lived there for half a year, and I started a monthly party called Function, where I basically was a resident DJ mm-hmm. and booker for this monthly free party where I brought American artists to come rap, artists from Canada to come rap, and every show had Mexican artists on it. And I did it because I got booked for a festival out there and for an art fair, and I remember when I played the art fair, the director that booked me, she was like, yo, I love rap music, but rap music isn't super popular in this part of Mexico yet. It is on the rise. And I'd like to bring more artists out here, but so many artists from the U.S. don't want to come because our money ain't as big as American money. And they've heard all this bad PR about Mexico and they're scared to come here. And I was like, man, if there are people in... Mexico City that love rap and, and don't get to experience it. And me as a black American rapper who can vouch for the for the community there and, and can vouch for the kind of artists that I want to bring there. Let me just holler at my friends and try to get them to come down here and just do a free party for people and just get it popping. And every time that I would DJ, I would play new rap and I'd play old stuff too. And I'd make a point to be like, Yo, this is a Bay Area artist. This is Memphis music. Like, part educational for the people that want to, p- to pay attention. Uh, part performance for artists trying to express themselves. And part just a party for people who want a free place to come dance on a Thursday night. Man, that is so dope. People do not understand. First of all, Houston is more dangerous than half the cities in Mexico. The cartel shit's Fuck, real. Yeah. The cartel shit's real. Shit's real. Things happen. It's bad. And when when it does go down there, it may be a little more gruesome looking than it does. But Houston is fucked up. 
Houston's amazing, but it's but most of America's got fucked up cities. Monterey, Mexico City, yeah, incredibly everywhere. vibrant places. And I have a funny Mexico story. The first time I went to to um, to uh, Monterey, mm-hmm. I, you know, people would if it was at that point in time, if if like I just said, if it was, had something to do with Houston, some people would call me. And uh, yeah, I, this guy from here in Austin actually. There was a club. <clears throat> the club still exists. It's in Monterey, um, and it was like a. It was like if you went in there, it was like a Las Vegas review. There was like a woman dancing and singing like Shakira. There was a guy dancing and singing wow. like Ricky Martin. They had break dancers. They had this. They had that. And yeah. For the longest time, they had a black guy who would rap the classics. You know, like hip hop, hooray! Ho. Wow. Was like, it was like what? This, no, listen. No, it was this whole like uh, this whole like review kind of like it was just a party that was what their party was it was like going to like a vegas review or something and it was a cool ass bar nightclub and basically this guy was like hey man i know you know a lot of rappers i don't know if you know anybody who'd be interested in moving to monterey mexico but we need somebody who can uh who wouldn't be against doing literally like cover songs and they weren't doing like the whole song. It was like, hey, just get up. And then there was a band playing and they, you know, like I said, like do hip hop array and jump around and whatever, you know. Yeah. Uh, totally. r- and riding dirty, actually, in that era. And, um, wow. Not UGK Chameleon, there's riding dirty. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. But, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, there was a rapper at the time called Ill Tactics, originally from Beaumont, but he lived in Houston and he used to come to damage control all the time. Sean Blaze produced this record. Ill Tactics. Or Sean gave me a 12 inch of one of his songs. I didn't read the title. I didn't really know. And when I put it on, I got so mad because I was like, this motherfucker is rapping exactly like 50 Cent. And when I say he was rapping exactly like 50 Cent, he sounded exactly like 50 Cent. But then he went, <laughs> then he went into Scarface and then he went into Paul Wall. And then he went, he like, wow. He did a song called Rap. I don't, it wasn't like rap imposter, but it was kind of it was kind of like talking about people biting. But this dude actually mm-hmm. went through and really mimicked voices of these rappers and sounded like really sounded like them. So when this guy called me and was like, um, "I need somebody that that might want to come down here and 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 be a part of this," and da 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 da, and I was like, "Man, I just got this record from a kid who has." Is like totally mastered, you know, mimicking these artists, man. This is crazy. I can't he's, believe he's mastered biting. Like, but it was a joke. I mean, the song was kind of a joke, you know. It wasn't like he was trying. He, totally. But it was a fucking dope that at first he. I got mad, mad. You know how I get. I was like, yeah, I cannot yeah, yeah. believe you are selling out this bad. You should not. Why are you rapping like Fifty Cent? And then it went on and on. And I was like, oh damn, okay, okay. Anyways, so I called him. He's like, man, I kind of need to get the fuck out of here. Anyway, let's go. I was like, like, we flew down there, stayed a few days. He stayed for a few years. Like he was no shit. Yeah, man. He got in and was just like a part of this review. The break dancers were all super cool. There was another guy who kind of rapped and more. He was like more the R and B guy. Like they had a whole wow. And the show was crazy. It was the girls, of course. It was Mexico. You know, it was like like it was you know like watching a crazy ass Sabado Gigante or something. But like it was a mix Fucking of music sick. and literally like just hot ass dancers, singers, and it was just crazy. And this guy like just got dropped into that ill tactics, got dropped into that world. So how did it turn out? He like he like did it the whole time, and and then 
move back to Texas? He did move back to Texas, and I do not remember what happened in the end. I mean, I think it's like anything. Like, he's not going to be a cover rapper in Monterey forever. But No way. But he did it for a while, man, and it was – I know he had fun, you know. Yeah, definitely did. And I always tell people two years ago, my daughter and I drove to Monterey from Austin. We drove right through Mexico, no problem, had the best time. Yeah. It's amazing, Don. I love it. I, I love that you were doing that in Mexico City, and it's important to get these stories out there so people know, you know, like, this is... It's yeah, a, the it's party a ran for six months. It was called Function. And another part of it is I, I felt like, you know, I, I like look at Africa or I look at Europe, and I fuck with how people in different countries travel to see their neighboring countries. I feel like many Americans don't do that enough with Canada and Mexico. So I've always wanted to make a point that if I can, I want to travel and and perform or organize shows or DJ or do something in our neighboring countries as much as possible every year and just represent for this continent. You dig? (laughs) For sure. I mean, and you think about it, like I just, I said earlier in the thing, if you get 300 people in Tyler, that's as good as doing the small room at Warehouse Live. You know, if you, you go to a city like Mexico City, there's 25 million oh. people. It's like, like, it's like the, I think it's 25 million there, something in that neighborhood. Yeah. If you can't get 300, yeah. you can't find 300 hip hop fans <laughs> or a, a few. Other, you know what I mean? Like they are, they're for sure there. Our party was cracking. Every month it was, it was cracking. It was packed. Like I think the venue, the venue was an upstairs and downstairs bar. The downstairs bar would play like, club rap music and it was really the area for people who just wanted to dance mm-hmm. and my upstairs shit was the bigger room where it was for the for the concert and for you know DJ sets too and it would be packed man like like four or five hundred people in there man, man I brought Chingo Bling to come I play know. out there which was hilarious he was like I can't believe Fat Tony brought me to Mexico. <laughs> Dude, you know how many Chico times Blaine. I tried? You know how many times I've tried to and it didn't happen? I've had so many and it's the same thing in Africa. Like, man, Devin will go I tried to get Chingo That's to Mexico. That's where I'm trying to go next. Yeah, I'm trying to go to Africa next. Oh, dude, like what I'm saying, Lagos. Lagos is twenty seven yeah. million people, man. And I have people there. It's just hard to get them to just make that move. I'm like, what we need to do and this is this is oh, this is on the record, I guess. We need an investor to just do it. We need somebody over here to be like, all right, man, we're going to take Fat Tony and Devin to Lagos, to Nairobi, to, you know what I mean? Like three or four, to Johannesburg, Johannesburg and Cape Town. We're going to need someone to pay for this to make it happen. And you can take the money, you know, we're going to split up the money that we make off this and just prove that it can happen because I've got people all over, over there who are like, yes, yes. Yes, but then, you know, people like Cardi B, I think she's been there. Rick Ross has gone to Nigeria yeah, Migos. a lot. Migos has been over there. These are like, yeah. you know, they're, they're like the rich guys, because the rich, the rich views over there are rich as fuck. And they're like, yeah. okay, there's, you know, we know we can fill this place for Migos or whatever, but we don't, you know, but I'm like, look, Devin will do this for drone footage at this point. You yeah. Know I mean, like, get us in a hotel, get us there, get us in a hotel, some food. To, you know, give it, you know, give us a few days out there. You know, we want to get paid. To be honest, we want to get paid. I've been working on that to too, man. It's hard, but it's hard I've to get them to working. pull the trigger. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you need someone yeah, over man, here to I'll... pull the trigger and make an investment on it, to be honest with you, man, because like I have people in the, in the Nigerian music scene that are deep, deep 
that like rap. Yeah. Dude, all those dudes have been in Houston at some point. Not all, but all the True. rappers. I interviewed so many rappers. We have the Nigerians. The biggest Nigerian population outside of Nigeria is in Houston. But yeah, man, I was over there, and every all the rappers were like, oh, I was a Houston boy. I was in Houston for a while, and you know when they did that big, uh, the big Afro Afro pop show, or not Afro pop, but Afro beats show at um at Toyota Center in Houston. Yeah, they were advertising that show on the Beat ninety nine in Lagos. Because of all the Nigerians in Houston listening to I listen to that station more than I listen to an American uh, uh, urban station. I don't listen to any American urban stations ever anymore. But like N- Niger FM and the Beat, my brother Douglas Jenkins on there. Um, yeah, I fuck with him. Yeah, he's dope. And I've been trying yeah, to man. get like he's he is the new music guy over there. And he, through him and through some other people, I'm like, look, man, let's make it happen. It's not we don't need a million dollars, but. I don't know. And you think about it too, a Houston art, like with the amount of, of people that, 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 you know, they know the music, you know, they know there's people yeah. of a certain age that have been back and forth, but whatever, that's another story. That's something we I'm like trying to go on. out there on a uh, personal level, man. I've been actually working on a project that's kind of on hold right now because of COVID, but I'm trying to go out there. My dad is Nigerian. He fought in the Biafran war I've never been to Nigeria and I want to make my first time going there part of a music experience, a filmed experience, just, you know, something that deals with my art and learning about the art out there. I'm trying to pull up next year. I I wanted to go this year, but it looks like we ain't traveling nowhere for a minute. So I'm going to try to go next year for real, for real. I want to go back so bad. Let me know. Let's, let's try to, let's try to work on that. Cause, uh, I, I I spent ten days in Lagos, and I've been to Johannesburg twice. Both times I went for ten days, and uh, two of the most dynamic cities I've ever been in. I felt totally comfortable everywhere I went. I felt so happy to be there. Like the people, the yeah. everything is amazing. Like it, the propaganda machine is so disgusting. The, the shit yeah. that people tell you, man, like. It, it's it's so messed up to be a human being in living in Houston or, you know, Chicago or something like that and going like, man, I ain't going to Mexico. That's dangerous. Man, like, yeah, like Nigeria? I ain't, I ain't <laughs> fucking with Nigeria. You crazy? It's like, you live yeah. in Chicago, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you live in America. Straight up, man. Dumbass. You've, you've got more guns. There are more guns within a, a square mile radius of your house than there is in the entire, in like a whole community of, of Legos. I mean, seriously, like it is not, it's, 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 it's not fair at all. It's such bullshit. But yeah, everywhere is dangerous. Everywhere is safe. Just know what you're doing. You know what I mean? Yeah, you and, know but just doing. take advantage of it because I feel like another thing is being American, we have the privilege of being able to travel to most places right. easily. You know what I mean? Yeah, that blue passport. So I think that, that blue passport is uh, quite valuable. People big. don't understand that. Yeah. So you know, understand your privilege and use it for good. Use it to go and to go explore and break bread with people, spend money with people, and learn about some new shit, experience something else. Yeah, go to a city like Toronto, which is like. I, I knew about, you know, Mitchie Me. I knew about some of the uh, Maestro Fresh West and some, and I know I'm a nerd about international rap. I know a lot about rap from around the world. Yeah. But like, 
I never could understand. Like Toronto is like New York. It's an amazing dynamic city and it took so long. I mean, Drake, of course, and now Tory Lanez and there's some yeah. other people who have come out of there, but I was like, Toronto's right over there. Like, why hasn't there yeah. been more of a Toronto presence in hip hop? Because I know that city is hip hop as fuck. I know the fans, the DJs, the people that, that are into it are real, real. And it, it always tripped me out that it took up to Drake for someone to really, really break. And it's like, and that's that's why I'm an open border anarchist. And uh, that's <laughs> I am, man. I'll fight anybody over yeah. that shit. I don't care. Just these borders are messing us up. And I think that's ruining a good place. lives, ending know? lives, ending lives for sure, man. And I really appreciate you for breaking boundaries for Houston, for music in general, for just being yourself, for traveling, for being an example to. I know a lot of young artists. I've seen young young artists talking to you at places and, and just the way they look and see you know they can they totally can see you've opened up a lot of doors and a lot of eyes for a lot of people and i appreciate you man and like i said from the beginning of this interview when people are talking about the top mcs out of houston you're on that list somewhere you're in there you're in the list with the greats for sure you've put in the time appreciate you man out, you've put out the product you've traveled the world and you still actually can you, you perform you're a true artist and it's and it's a it's an honor to be uh, friends with you to this day thinking about i really appreciate day, that man for it, real it trips me out though because why i mean like i said my daughter's gonna be 18 next month and i probably met you and cam from the suffers about when you were 18 yeah definitely i remember meeting you through cam mm-hmm. and i also cold called emailed you Mm-hmm. about my high school group, Low End, and you invited me to Damage Control Radio. I met Bun B there for the first time. What? Crazy. I wonder if, I mean... Cam, that, I mean, I, that, and I think Cam was there with me, too. It probably. was me, Cam, you, and Bun at the radio show. Cam was my assistant. Like, me and Cam, yeah. Cam did everything for me. We worked together on all those shows and stuff. She's the best, you know, and uh, I remember... She's another person that I met when I was really young that I was like, oh, this motherfucker is crazy too and they're serious about doing this for real like they're really trying to play these shows and go to sound waves and buy music and be a be like living this shit i'm for sure gonna um interview cam in the next couple days she also on my first album that's true that's true you know you know you know i'm interviewing on monday evening though who cecilia aka baby audi Oh, wow. Think about this. If you weren't traveling, if you weren't going out traveling, you would have never seen institutional prostitution live in concert. Pop Montreal, man. man. It was a game changer for us. Me, Blackie, and Nagasi. And Bubba was there. The aspiring me, Bubba. Bubba crazy ass. Man, yeah, that was that was my first time going to Canada. That was, yeah, was my first show. That was also my first tour ever, 2011, with Blackie. And you hooked us up with that Pop Montreal show, man. So. Yeah, that was fun, man. That was the most. I went to Pop Montreal twelve times, and that that year was having all y'all there was so fun, man. It was crazy. The uh, I'll never. Yeah, forget. that that actually that that felt like South by Southwest felt when I first went. Like we did a whole lot of kicking it. We went to Def Grips Hotel just to kick it. We went to other folks' shows. No one was like flexing with us about our credentials and getting into other people's concerts, like. Oh. Folks are friendly. It's so perfect. Friendly. <laughs> Blackie performed in a parking lot. <laughs> yeah. 
No, slap can, some guy's burger out of his hand when he was rapping. No, here's the worst. Here's the bad part of that trip. What we did to that group of women, there was a band. I don't know what they're called, but they were supposed to play. First of all, if you remember Nagashi's stupid ass, who I think is a genius. I'm only saying this stupid ass because of this <laughs> one moment in time. He had his music on a laptop, but there was no Wi-Fi or there was nothing. He he didn't have it on the laptop or whatever. He had to download it. And yeah. he was trying to standing in the street, trying to get the street Wi-Fi like 10 years ago. With, yeah. <laughs> trying to get Wi-Fi some, from somewhere to get his music. And he went on stage so late. And the girls that were going on after him were so mad because they, they had to go on later than their time. They were so mad. And then it just turned out that Blackie got to do a show outside in a parking lot. That got the there was like it was like a riot squad practically showed up after, after and like his show was so loud people could hear it for blocks like people were so people were walking by like what is going on here man and the police came in and shut the whole shit down and that same yeah, band man. that same band was supposed to play after Blackie and they got shut down and I remember me you and, and Nagashi and Blackie we got Blackie's stuff out of there so fast into the van we just, yeah. and the cops showed up we were just like all kind of walked off in different directions like okay yeah. <laughs> and those, those girls I feel bad for them because they got screwed twice and it's our fault Sorry. I do too man that was fun uh, it's crazy yeah. to even think that he couldn't perform because he couldn't download his music he did he ended up is, getting it which is yeah, but it like took long. Like it took longer than it should have. That could never happen again. No. You know what I mean? <laughs> that can't happen today. You need to download music. You can do it instantly. Yeah. But back then, that fucking was like a thirty-minute wait for him to perform. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that Crazy. Yeah, I love that venue. I, I, that's my fa- one of my favorites standing out there. But man, we've had some good times. We've had some real talk. I appreciate you, Tony. Thanks, man. For everything. And I'm going to holler at you. Yeah, holler at me anytime. Please stay safe, stay in touch, man. I'm really happy for you and where you, where you are in life right now. And, uh, man, got to get you back on that stage. And if you need anything, let me know, man. And uh, the message today is not only check in on your people, but some of your favorite artists. I mean, we've, you had a lot of your livelihood taken from you for a moment. It's not forever. But those live shows, man. We've all totally, man. do our part deal. to get through this shit and get our artists back on the road. Yeah, now's a great time it. to listen to all our shit, buy our records, go to Bandcamp if you want to get the money straight to us or or straight to our organization. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. And I'm going to just keep it coming, man. I have another album coming out this fall. Right now, it's coming out October 23rd on Car Park Records. It's called Exotica. It's produced by Goldeneye, formerly known as Tom Cruise, my boy Shaka, and it's my best shit up. And Bun is on it, killing it. Man. Well, I can't wait to hear that one. And uh, we'll always be looking out. What's the best place online to find you? Check out my Instagram, Fat Tony Rap. From there, you can find everything. You'll get links to my band camp, my website, all that shit. Fat Tony Rap everywhere. FatTonyRap.co. I'm not too hard to find. Already, man. I appreciate your time. I am Pusher Mania everywhere. I'm on most of the podcast sites, and I am going to start adding these ones to Spotify. I didn't go on Spotify before because, like, my playlist shows, I don't think they would appreciate those. Mm. Try but, it out anyway. Fuck but if it. I'm doing it with, well, I don't you know. If I'm doing it with one artist, <laughs> you know, if I'm doing, like, one artist and it's all approved, I think that should be fine. 
you know, but the, yeah, they, man, they, they, dude, I try that shit, but that tech with this technology, man, I don't know if you saw me on Instagram live. This is ridiculous, but I, was, I have a bunch of Japanese 45s from like the fifties. And uh, yeah. I did that. And some people got noticed it like it's still up. I put it on YouTube. It's still up, but a bunch of those songs, it's like used with permission from King records. You use with, it was like, they, I didn't write any of that in there. Like they, yeah. freaking, like these are 45s from the fifties that they were able to. <laughs> They're not playing it. right now, man. No, I know a no. lot of people are getting like flagged for copyrights. And, yeah. You know, now is not the time for that. Instagram. If y'all listening, cut that shit out. Cause it's people like Matt and myself who get on there and share music that we care about that are keeping folks going right now. And we ain't really make, making money from it either. Don't ball the blockers right now. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to keep connected. We're trying to keep the music flowing. We're trying to stay sane, healthy in our home. You want me to stay home? Talk to me on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk. <laughs> yeah, Let's that's talk. a great way to do it. Yeah, man. Well, thank you so much for your time, brother. I definitely think uh, there's brighter days ahead, and I cannot wait to hear yes, the, the new music, man. Yes, sir, man. Peace. All right, peace to everyone who tuned in to this edition of the Pusher Mania podcast. Real Talk with Matt Sanzala. Fat Tony was our special guest. We got, like I said, Cecilia is going to be coming up in the future. I got to get Cam Franklin on the phone. Oh, the list. The list goes on and on. I have a wish list, Tony. I'm going to get as many of them oh, as yeah? I can. Yeah. I'm going to get as many of them Get them, them on there, man. Now's the time. I'm working on it. All right, brother. Thank you so much. We're going to sign off. Little more new music from Fat Tony, and uh, keep checking me out. SoundCloud.com slash Pushermania and everywhere else. Chef, I just do what I do and she eat till there's none left I don't second guess, I don't need a fucking taste test Been trying to wait less, hurry up, let's break bread Come and kiss the cook, please, if you lick the plate clean you use it, you lose it, that's why I get to it Take one taste and you say it's a doozy Take two tastes and you say that it's magnifique Finger licking, get you trying to figure out the recipe Help me get this trash up, uh-uh, that ain't what you asked, bruh Mm, I just ain't a cast bar, but damn right I got a tip jar But all the drink on a Costco card Two friends in this bitch beefing and they need to chill I'ma lose my mind if another nigga cuss Bill Feels good to have all my friends in the room But I'm glad I ain't doing this again if you soon. don't use it, you lose it, that's why I get to it Take one taste and you say it's a doozy Take two tastes and you say that it's magnifique Finger licking, get you trying to figure out the recipe Everybody gotta get the fuck out Get the fuck out.
Everybody gotta get the fuck out. Everybody gotta get the fuck out. Get the fuck out. Gotta get the fuck out. Yeah, nigga, I see. 